Hi there, this is Clark Terry here, reminding you to pull your bearskins a little closer to the fire. That's it. <laughs> now you're talking to hey. Ah, watch out for those snapping sparks. Everybody cozy? Now the good news is that you're in time for the humble farmer. You've worked hard all day, and you deserve to relax now. So stay right there and listen to the best of this kind of music. Yes, we know who that was. Uh, 
Tatum, Melody in F. I didn't know that it was a Melody in F. Back before the days. Back before the days of sea legs, when main restaurants made real lobster rolls, a real estate agent was asked to sell a house. Now, this real estate agent was 100% honest, and he knew his business. When it came to selling houses, there wasn't anyone, this side of the county, who could touch him. One day he got a call from a man in Boston who was going to come up from Boston on the train. And this man was going to arrive in Rockland at a quarter past five, and he wanted to see that house. At quarter past four on the appropriate afternoon, the agent had his friends in the fire department come over and pump two tank loads of water into the well. Now, the Boston man was no fool, and he knew that unless wells were spring-fed, they very often went dry in September and October. So his first question to the agent as they walked onto the property was, how's the well hold out in the fall? As the agent slid the cover off the well, he said, well, why not check it out for yourself?
Jim, 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 Jelly Roll Martin here on The Humble Farmer. Thank you for listening. My wife, Marsha, the almost perfect woman, has been cutting my hair for years. She started doing it way, way back when my friend George the Barber refused to prohibit smoking in his barber shop, you know, for fear of offending his gasping customers. I had to give up playing bass because the smoke drove me out of restaurants and clubs. And, as I said, smoke even drove me out of my favorite barber shop. But, listen to this, Marsha's days of cutting my hair are over. Smokers have been legislated out of public places, so I can go back to my barber. This is why I'm going to do it. As you know, Marsha is a perfectionist. Whenever she does anything, there is nobody who can do it better. And therein lies my problem. Marsha cuts my hair so perfectly that I am often mistaken on the street for a corporate lobbyist. And without the obscene financial remuneration, I choose not to live with the shame.
Mm. Tatum here on The Humble Farmer. We're within in like it all. You can hear me playing old-fashioned music just for you every week at this time right here on your favorite radio station. Thank you for listening. I am the humble farmer at gmail.com. My Facebook friend Claire Perry asks the question, How tall is Marsha? I do not know how tall Marsha is, but I am five foot seven and one half, and she is just the right height for me. There's nothing more frightful than hugging one of Marsha's friends who might be six foot two. It gives a runt of a man the impression of, well, being smothered by pillows in a horror movie. Whenever one of these towering beauties shows up, I always rush outside so I can extend my welcome while I'm standing on the bottom step.
Terry, of course, Peter Herman, you stamped out of a green, used to play arrangement of that, John Parker arranged that, we used to play that up, Beaver Lodge, back when you were probably very small, our dump yielded up a nice sturdy piece of pipe with 90 degree angles on both ends, so I got Wayne Hilt to shorten it on three ends, and put flanges on the ends, and the other day when I was too weak to do anything else, I drilled four holes in the concrete wall, put in those plastic bolt holders, and bolted the rig to the cellar stairway wall. Now, my wife, Marsha, has been lobbying for a handrail on those steps for a year or so. My brother tested it out. He pronounced it good. My brother says it's just right. Bob Erickson tries it, tried it there. He said it was perfect. And I realize now I should have filmed this project for my TV show because you'd be amazed at the number of tools and boxes of stuff I had to assemble on those cellar stairs just to do this simple project. Well, it was one one blessing. The project didn't take as long to do as it would have if some expert had showed up to show me how to do it right.
What a thing he was, huh? Tatum, of course. If you do not attend the annual St. George Fire Department's annual fundraising potluck supper, you're missing the greatest culinary event of the St. George year. Admission is by donation. The money collected helps pay for the ambulance that hauls you to the hospital when you drop. So I figure it is money well spent. I think I have been hauled away in it once already, and unless I'm very lucky, it won't be too long before I get to ride in it again. But the food, i got to tell you about the food. The chicken, you can't believe the chicken. It was cooked to perfection. White meat, almost two inches thick. Incredible. I don't know where they even found this bird. It was so good, I walked over and asked the grillmeister what his name was so I, can, so I could tell you. He said his name was Rick Freeman. I went back for seconds.
Scott Hamilton. On a very good day. He was having a good day there, wasn't he, when he recorded that? Song I have never played myself. You say you care. Hmm. Don't know much about it. You are, thank you very much, listening to The Humble Farmer here on your favorite radio station. With any luck at all, you can hear me playing old-fashioned music just for you every week at this time right here. Thank you for listening. You know that I do not have the ability to recognize faces unless I have seen that face many times over a period of several months or perhaps years. I thought I recognized a face at the St. George Fire Department's annual fundraising feast, so I asked the woman behind the face who she was. I told her that she looked familiar to me. She reminded me of Edna Polke. I didn't say that, but she did remind me of Edna Polke. I'll not tell you her name, but I will tell you that she was tall, she was slender, and that she told me that she had just lost 150 pounds. <laughs> Man, that, well, that, that impresses me. You have been told over and over and over that more than one-third of U.S. adults are obese. Because we're doing better than that here because we read that only, only 25, 26% of the people in Maine weigh a lot more than they should. A friend of mine had the flu last week, and she said she lost six pounds. Six pounds she lost in the weekend. Eight years ago, I went to a radio convention in San Antonio, and I gained six pounds. I gained six pounds in a weekend. And right then, when I couldn't tie my shoestrings, I couldn't stoop over, I decided to give up sweets. Oh, I could eat one cookie, you say. Everything is okay in moderation, burp, burp. But there are those of us for whom that does not work. We cannot eat only one dish of ice cream. Maybe you're married to this person and know who I'm talking about here. We cannot eat only one dish of ice cream any more than some people can. They cannot have only one drink of gin. They have to finish the bottle. And because I think I met a woman the other day who knows what you and I are talking about here, I'm going to track her down this coming week. I'm going to see if, I'm going to ask her, I'm going to see if she will tell you and tell me what in the world she had to do to lose 150 pounds. I admire this woman, don't you? Wouldn't you like to hear what she can tell us? And I, I really hope she'll talk with me on camera. Because prob probably all she really did was give up sweets.
massive changes he played, huh? Tatum playing changes, wow, what changes, wow. You know you live in Maine when you can see 53 degrees on your thermometer on August 19th. I looked, the hourly forecast online also gives me 53 degrees, so we agree on something. I ask you, where else in the world but on the coast of Maine can you drive by a bed and breakfast in the middle of August and see a big sign out front that says, Heated room. Enjoy a hot shower.
Sounded like tea for two. The name of it is You and Me, probably to escape some sort of copyright problem. Oh, you are listening to the humble farmer here on your favorite radio station. Where, with any luck at all, you can hear me playing old fashioned music just for you every week at this time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. I'm thehumblefarmer at gmail.com, and of course, I would love to hear from you. I don't hear from people like I used to. I don't know what's going on. I don't know if... Even used to hear from all people back when before email 30 years ago. People actually used to put postage, spend money on postage and send letters. I don't know what's happening. If you are married to a type A woman, as I am, you're very likely to find the lexical item but firmly embedded in any of her syntactic strings. This was recently called my attention when I put the handrail lead into the solar radiant heated solar office of main private radio on the right-hand side going down. Affixing a handrail to a concrete wall is a bit above any chore that would be required of your average husband handyman as it necessitates a specialized tool that will drill holes in a concrete wall, and sometimes the patients required to bore a hole through not mushy concrete, but an egg-sized piece of granite. If Mumtaz Mahal were a type A woman, Shah Yahan, who built the Taj Mahal, might have heard his wife say, It is a very pretty building. But Nobody but me, nobody but me. 
Everybody wants my baby, but my baby don't want nobody but me. That's plain see. He's got those Elgin movements, 20 years guaranteed. There's no need for improvement, my sweet daddy's built for feet. That's why everybody loves my baby, but my baby don't love nobody but me. Nobody but me. Williams. My wife, Marsha, the almost perfect woman, was at a party hooting and hollering around till almost midnight. She had a good time. I waited up for her, and when she came in, she wanted to know why I put baking powder on my face and my leg. Well, right about dusk, while turning over a piece of plywood I used for mulch in my rhubarb patch, I was stung twice by hornets that lived under the plywood. Because I rushed in, went on Facebook at once, and I asked what to do for hornet bites. Katie Burns from down in Friendship told me to put hot water on it, so I put hot water on it. And Peg said to put baking soda on it. I found baking powder at the cupboard, and I thought baking powder might be another name for baking soda, so I made a paste of baking powder, and I put it on my face. Because Marcia said I should have used baking soda, and that she has some of that too. But who, I ask you now, in all honesty, who in the world would know these esoteric things, that there is a difference between baking powder and baking soda? Sounds about the same, looks about the same. We're talking here about an area of some pretty specialized knowledge. Now, it seems to me, as baking soda came in a yellow box, a yellow tin can with an arm and hammer on it, but I didn't see any of that in the cupboard. Anyway, the hot water must have worked on my foot because that bite is much better. Thank you. But the one on my face, Marsha says, is qu still quite swollen, so I have to thank, thank uh, Katie for getting right back to me on that. I know even if I get stung again, I won't be able to remember if it is baking powder or baking soda I am supposed to put on the bite. So think about this. Wouldn't it be a good idea to have a sticky label on one of the boxes that says, for stings, written right on it? Well, I can tell you that it's nice to have friends who know these things, and it's nice to have friends that get right back to you when you need help with something. If you'd like to know more about this, stay tuned. Oh, thank you for listening. <laughs> Thank you. 
Have I got time to tell you this? 
My truck was skipping, so I limped in to see Larry Oaks on three cylinders. I figured the spark plug might have worn out. Because when your truck has well over 299,000 miles on it, you have to expect to shell out a bit from time to time on maintenance. Now, I believe in servicing my truck on a regular basis because it's much cheaper than making impossible payments on a new truck. And, of course, sometimes the wiring harness goes too. Did you know that it's important to replace your spark plugs from time to time? Fortunately, we read that high-quality spark plugs should last tens of thousands of miles, so replacing them is not something you have to do all the the time. Even if you don't put many miles on your vehicle, they say it's something that should be done at least every few years. So how long do plugs usually last? Well, it says that standard copper plugs are said to last anywhere from 10 to 20,000 miles, while more expensive platinum plugs can last 60,000 miles, so that's good news. Well, you might be interested to know that I looked in my truck service book and I see that I last changed the plugs on my truck on December 12th, 1998. They had 101, 101,321 miles on them before the top rusted off the top of one of them and shut me down. The Porcelain was cracked and missing on another one. Yes, I I can hear you saying it now. They sure don't make stuff nowadays like they used to.